Well, welcome everyone to Tuesday's podcast. Um, this is the podcast where we talk about the sermon from last Sunday. It's it's nice because it gets, gives our speaker a chance to elaborate a bit more, talk about some things they couldn't squeeze into the short sermon time. So we'll get into that. But we'd like to start by acknowledging and paying our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousand of generations. Uh, in our panel today, we've got on camera this time. Last time, you, if you watched, we he, he, we couldn't get his camera working, so he's had a bit of computer work done. David, good to have you, and good to see your face. Thank you. Thank you. He, he's arrived back from the UK with a goatee, so it's nice to be able to witness that. So, and I'm just going <laughs> to hum you a little tune for a sec. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is it possible that it's your birthday next week? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, you mean that September? (laughs) Uh, I keep forgetting that it's coming up, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, So we won't ask you how old you're going to be unless you want to. No, don't worry. (laughs) I have mentioned my age before, even on camera, but, um, yeah, 61. Hopefully you're doing something special for it. Well, I don't know. Dale hasn't mentioned anything yet, so... I better remind him. Okay. Maybe they've got something. Dale, if you're, Maybe if they haven't. <laughs> yeah, Dale, if you're listening to our podcast, it's your wife's birthday soon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so thanks, Anne. And then we've got Matt, who's also with us. Um, so Matt, you got the Sunday off speaking. First time off for quite a few weeks, I think. Yeah, it's nice. I've got three weeks in a row now. So I think you're speaking this coming weekend and John the following weekend. So I don't mm. know what to do with myself. It's great. Well, I was going to talk to you about that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, good. All right. This last week, we've looked at the parable of the um, the 10 maidens or the 10 virgins, which is um, Matthew chapter 25. We'll read that in a second. But And give us a breakdown. How, like, What's this passage about? Give us a short summary. Okay, well, I spent a little bit of time just providing some of the background to the story so that we got a bit of um, context of what um, Jesus was referring to because it was pretty obvious to the people at the time when he was speaking, but things have changed a little bit since um, since then in terms of how we understand weddings and marriage and a few bits and pieces. So I provided a little bit of background on that and certainly from feedback I received afterwards, people appreciated that because it did actually help give them a better sense of what this parable is actually about and what it's trying to tell which in essence is um, that Jesus wants his followers, those who have become part of the kingdom, to um, maintain lifestyles that keep them ready for him, um, no matter when he might come or and at the point um, if they don't actually um, manage to hang around until he comes, then um, at the, after they die, that well, they've still got that, they haven't missed out kind of thing because, mm. um, and so I unpacked some of that. But the main thing is we don't, Um, get into what Jesus has in store for us unless we have um, kept the oil in our lamp, so to speak, Um, our readiness to follow Jesus and love as he loved and love the Lord our God as he expects us to love, which is to love mercy, um, desire, act justly and um, walk humbly with our God, essentially. And as we do those things readily, um, and all the time and love our neighbour, 
as we love ourselves, then we are um, keeping our, res our reserves of oil high. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and what we do here and now actually does matter. Yeah, yeah that's great, Anne. So you started off the sermon talking through different cultural expressions of weddings and what they're like. So mm. just a quick rapid fire. Um, blokes, what weddings, what different cultural weddings have you been to and what were they like? Have you, have you stepped out of the Aussie wedding stuff? For example, while you're thinking, I went to a Greek wedding and it's possibly the most food I've ever seen. <laughs> so that was in Melbourne. And I couldn't believe we were even invited. It was one of my dad's sort of distant friends sort of thing. <laughs> and then they, all the kids got invited. There were hundreds of people there. So that was a Greek wedding. Didn't see any smashing plates. I don't remember. <laughs> any, any others? Oh, I conducted weddings in Canada. Um, but they're pretty pretty similar. Although one of the weddings, uh, the lady loved Downton Abbey, and so she was trying to replicate something from Downton Abbey, which was like this secondhand funny English Anglican tradition in a very <laughs> evangelical North American. It was very weird, but it, we had a go. Uh, yeah, I, I, apart from that, I've only really been to Aussie mm. uh, and some some Dutch you know, Australian tradition. Yeah. So uh, there's a few. Pretty few similar. Yeah, similar thing. You know, the old um, banging the glass till the the bride and groom kiss. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a few other things, little funny little traditions that I picked up from different, you know, subcultures within. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a few funny traditions in our weddings, like the glass ting ting. Throwing confetti, what's that all about? Or rose petals or bubbles? Yeah, <laughs> I don't really know how that one developed, but I suppose it's just part of expressing that joy and that goodwill hmm. to the yeah. happy couple. And in, and in what I, you know, in sort of the torch lit procession that was part of the parable was, in fact, the same opportunity for people to do precisely that. And that, you know, the torches were part of, I guess, mm. expressing that happiness. And no doubt there would have been hugs and things just like we have at the end of, you know, when, when somebody's first got married. And presumably that depends. And, and they took a long way, a long route from where they first got married to where they ended up at the, the groom's home or his parents' home. And um, so that as, as many people in the community could be involved as possible mm, and wish yeah. this couple um, all their very best and be part of and and um, and join in that procession, which then qualified them to come in and enjoy a week long feast. Which is a <laughs> mouth. Mm. Yeah, so, what so about that, you, David? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I certainly haven't been to any week long feasts, uh, and I think probably the family weddings that I've been to are going to have been. Uh, much more uh, Australian traditional. Uh, but we spent a couple of years in the US and um, with the couple of weddings we would have been involved, gone to from the church we were going. And, of course, one of the things that was different was the way in which they don't have the fruit, the iced fruit cake as the wedding cake. It's a, oh, yeah, a yeah, chocolate, yeah. a very yeah, rich yeah. chocolate sponge mm -hmm. cake that mm -hmm. uh, is the way in which they, uh, uh, for the wedding cake. And, of course, the wedding, uh, we have our reception after a wedding, uh, whereas uh, many others have a wedding breakfast, 
with the family beforehand. The British tradition seems to be the the wedding breakfast, hmm. and uh, so that's a, a before the wedding, the immediate bridal party are very much involved in a formal dinner, and hmm. uh, then it might be quite a small meal or just a snack meal uh, as part of the reception. Hmm. Uh, so that you know, even within our own contexts. There's just a variety of traditions or even families might have traditions uh, yeah. that they, you know, they observe, you know, grandma or grandpa might uh, mm. uh, have particular seats at mm. the high table, you know, those sorts of things might be a, a family tradition. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I guess part of our problem looking back at passages like that one where the illustration is drawing on, on uh, a wedding and participants in a wedding uh, we're out. We are out of context, and are not uh, quite seeing things the way that uh, the New mm. Testament uh, readers would have been mm. uh, would have been uh, acknowledging. Uh, and of course, wedding uh, the wedding of the bride uh, is part of Christ, isn't it? And the second coming mm. mm -hmm. is that when we do uh, become His bride, mm. and uh, mm. Christ comes as our uh, as our husband. Uh, which is an interesting, you know, it, it, that's an interesting thought, but I think it's also reflecting on the celebration that's going to go on, and that's the context in which it's given, isn't it, mm. that it is a great celebration that we're coming to the uh, yeah. to, uh, the real, uh, the real in, really important uh, wedding feast of the mm. Lamb when we, we come as uh, his bride, mm. presented as his bride, as his chosen ones. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Matt, I was uh, wondering... I was wondering if you would read Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13 in a minute. I, I, I went to a wedding in Tonga and um, there was a lot of food at that one as well. And then whatever we didn't eat that day came out again the next day, but I'm not sure it was refrigerated overnight. I got so sick after that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was a big celebration. There was a lot of food. Yeah. Very, very generous in a fairly poor yeah. location. So, yeah. 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 I haven't – well, I'm – Father and mum might have been to some New Guinean weddings because we lived in New Guinea for a long time. Mm. Um, but those, I think, were very much a community event as well, like the mm. um, the one that Jesus was talking about was. Mm. So, and, and again, like the meal would have been prepared for quite a while. You know, they had these, I think they called them mumus, where they kind of roast the pig in the ground and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And... Um, and then, and there is associated with the um, the marriage, the exchange of a, a bride price. Well, it was you know traditionally probably something a bit different now, but um, bells or pigs or you know the the kind of things that marked um, some economic um, and uh, resourcing within that community and mm. and status within that community. So, mm. goes with. A wedding it's not just a, unlike here a lot of them aren't just romantic if at all um, tran um affairs they are mm -hmm. commercial transactions yes yeah 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 well matt you happy to read for us sure so this is matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom Five of them were foolish and five were wise. 
the foolish ones took their lamps but didn't take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their, their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. So instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later on, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Right. And where should we start? Well, I guess like one of the, the things that I just want to say to begin with is that follow, that really follows on from what Jesus was just talking about and what Matt talked about last week, which was um, where he's saying to the disciples, I am coming back. I don't even know when I'm coming back. Yeah. But tell you this you're likely to have a long wait and let me you know it might come soon but the likelihood is won't and and he had he the the first of the parables around that was the um the difference between a a wise faithful servant and one who was foolish and wicked um and so he builds on that Mm. in this parable so he goes on to talk a little bit more about what it means to be ready. So again, um, even though you might he, the groom might have come sooner, he didn't, and um, it was a long, long wait, as Matt just read. So um, that's one thing. They didn't know exactly when, but they knew he was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing was that some anticipated the possibility of a long wait. The others were just happy to go with the flow of the moment. And I spoke about that a little bit yesterday in that when they first arrived at the roadside, wherever it was they were waiting, um, and it was because we talked about the fact that they, the, the couple, happy couple, made their their ride back, a fairly extensive one, um, they would have been in their very best outfits for the occasion. Yeah. They had their lamps they had oil in their lamps. To all intents and purposes, they all of those ten virgins or maidens looked the same. They looked ready. They and 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 this, Jesus has talked about this a bit in other parables. He talked about it with the wheat and the tares, that you cannot know to begin with um, necessarily which one's which. Mm. It's only at the very end, at the harvest time, that um, he gets his workers to to disentangle and get rid of the tears. And and so appearances don't necessarily help us to know who's wise and who's foolish. Mm. Um, But we know that our... How we act is, oh, and I went on to talk, I gave two examples of what wise and foolish looks like, and they were from the Old Testament. I used the example of Saul and David, 
who were both filled with the oil of the spirit, if you like, when the, when the anointing oil came on them, they came, the spirit of God came on them in power and they had choices to make about what they did with the opportunities that God gave them. And one foolishly squandered those opportunities and the other um, made the most of those opportunities and honoured God and, and, and helped his people and so forth. Um, and where was I going with this? Two examples. Yes. Saul was just not ready. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he just wasn't ready when the time came because I talked about Goliath and the fact that he got challenged. Um, so this giant of a man and the enemy. And even though Goliath, sorry, even though Saul had everything he needed to meet this guy head on because he knew that God had given him what he needed to do it, he say, stayed in his tent and... Um, asked other people to do the work for him um, and no one else was going to step up to the market. They didn't want to lose their lives either at that point. But then David comes along, also a man who'd been given the opportunity to be empowered by God and he had kept himself ready. He had kept himself full. He had kept looking at God's word and filling himself and he'd kept himself skilled in different ways to be the kind of person that God was calling him to be. And then when he heard the, the challenge, he said, well, I can't stand by and let this happen and I'm going to trust God with this situation. And he stepped up to the mark because he was ready. He had everything he needed and he knew it. And, um, and of course, he, um, he took life out. Hmm. But um, it was a, an example of foolishness and wisdom. And the other thing about Saul, I think at any time he could have changed choices. He could have, even though he'd begun to behave um, selfishly, he had to wait for God and he decided, no, I, I, I can't wait. I'm going to do my own thing and that'll be enough and I'm going to do it in my time. Mm -hmm. And he became selfish. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he became greedy and he started blaming other people when things went wrong. And, um, and so God, said, well, I'm sorry, but I can't have you keep um, being in charge of my people because you're leading them up the garden path and mm -hmm. you're not doing them any good. And this isn't what um, being ready is all about. <laughs> and so he gave David the opportunity and then he went and then Saul went after David. And at some point toward the end of his life, he has this moment of realisation um, when he says, I have been a fool, I have erred greatly. Um, now, even at that point, he could have changed his choices. He could have turned his life around and become the kind of man that God would have been pleased with. But he continued to go his own way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where how he was when he passed away. And... Um, and sadly, he missed out on all kinds of good yeah. things. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, Jesus ended up coming from the line of David. Um, how good is that? Mm -hmm. So um, that's, a, that's, again, for me, a, a wonderful picture of what foolishness in God's eyes looks like and what um, wisdom looks like. Mm -hmm.
-hmm. and what being ready looks like and what being unready looks like. Mm -hmm. And that was a big spiel. Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, from this passage, how, how would you define the foolish and the wise? Uh, well, uh, the one, I mean, Jesus defines in the story the oil as the, the way their relationship to the oil. Uh, and, and obviously, the, Anne looked at one way you can look at that as saying people who are open to the Holy Spirit. Um, but certainly part of and that's true. Uh, another way you can look at this is uh, people who are in the, the in for the long haul, who who are not they 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 prepare themselves that this isn't just a a fun momentary thing, but they prepare, they they store up the resources they need to hang around for for the the long term even if it's not, not all going to happen as quickly and neatly and tidily as, as they would hope uh, and so they have the they, they are prepared for the long haul it's interesting jesus in the parable of the sower uh defines the, the first uh, apart from the ones who really don't respond the first group of people who respond and they get taken away are the ones that are just responding emotionally and the, the word doesn't go down and bear get in, get any roots. It doesn't. And I think in some ways it's, it's similar here. That the, the challenge for each one of us is uh, to to settle in for the long haul. We live in a in a culture that says if it doesn't feel good, then something's absolutely wrong, and we go and find something that does feel good. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus is saying, like Anne, Anne is saying. Uh, Jesus is making very clear, hey, boys and girls, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be here, to, you know, in the next 24 hours. It's, there's going to be a, a long journey and the, your life is going to be a long journey and you need to be prepared for the long haul and get the resources you need in your life to manage the long haul of your life. Mm -hmm. That would be one way in, in my view. So a wise person is somebody that is deliberate about cultivating the resources they need for the long haul of life. And a foolish person is someone who says, nah, that's, that, that's too much work. I'll, I, don't, I don't want to carry two things. I just want to carry the thing I'm interested in now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and possibly somebody who's a short-term thinker. Um, that would be one, another way of looking at the difference mm -hmm. between wisdom and foolishness. Mm -hmm. David, have you got any response to that? I think one of the things that I notice is the way in which the door's been shut. Mm. And some are in and some aren't. And that always, to me, speaks of judgment. And that uh, there is that point, and we have it elsewhere in the scriptures, there is that point at which people, um, there is a point at which people will be judged. Mm. By their works, we will know them. Uh, there is that point of judgment in terms of have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal saviour or not? Uh, and to cry out, you know, basically at your deathbed, at, at the worst, uh, oh, I meant to be saved, uh, there's that point at which it is too late. And I think it 
had it ties in quite nicely with the wheat and the the tares and the the, the sow of the seed. Um, you know, some people respond and flourish and grow a great head of wheat. Uh, some people uh, look as if they will or should, and it just doesn't happen. Mm. Uh, and then some people are so hardened that they just sadly don't respond. Mm. Um, and I think this idea of the shut door, and then there are a group of people who knock on the door and say, let me in, let me in. And, and the reality is um, it's too late. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think maybe one of the lessons to be learned is uh, don't find yourself in that too late character uh, mm. category, and that's mm. you know that's what the parable is about, isn't it? The parable mm. is about being prepared. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you were talking about how you can't just grab someone else's oil. Do you want to talk about that a tiny bit? Yeah, I talked a little bit about you can't borrow somebody else's relationship with God at the end yeah. of the day. And, again, it's about being prepared. Um, so so Jesus was saying, like, through the story, at the time when they realised, oh, we actually don't have enough oil to last the distance, um, okay, you who did bring a little bit more, come on, just share a little bit of yours. Get us, get us across the line as well. And, no, we'll... And, and and through this through the story, Jesus is saying, you can't get through the door based on what somebody else is doing. Like your partner might be shining the light of Jesus in their life. They might be uh, full of the love of God. Um, your friend might be. Um, you might have a parent who's showing you the love of Jesus or that you know their life, and it's not enough. Um, if you haven't made some choices of your own and followed through with that, you know, in terms of um, your relationship with God, then, um, yeah, it, mm. it, it will, you will miss out. And I used the example of um, a student who have, might have signed up for a course. So, yep, I want to do this. And, and then having signed up for the course, they don't attend the classes. And then, oh, yeah, there's this exam coming. Oh, well, I'll just head into the exam, but I'm not going to study for it either. And I won't borrow anybody else's lecture notes. I'll go online and get the, the notes that are online and I'll just um, I'll just wing it. And it doesn't work that way. And um, if you haven't done any work at all and you're not prepared at all, you are going to fail that exam. You might have signed up for it, but your actions actually didn't, support um what you looked like you actually wanted to wanted to do and achieve Mm -hmm. and then the other one i used was the example of somebody who might have wanted to do a particular task or job and they knew that you needed certain skills and experience to do it but even when they had the opportunity to cultivate those skills and 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 get that experience they didn't so that when the job did come up and they could have taken it they missed out because again they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. Now, it does ask. It does beg the question. So you can't get in at the last minute in that sense. Um, oh well, um, you know, maybe I, you know, I signed up or I, I wanted to do the job. So isn't that enough? Um, and it isn't. Um, now, one of the questions that did um, it 
it didn't come directly to me, but I did hear it indirectly after yesterday's sermon was, yes, but what about the the guy on the, you know, there were two guys on the cross beside Jesus. One of them, you know, just kept hurling abuse at him and the other asked to be saved. And, um, and Jesus said, well, you are going to be sharing paradise with me, you know, uh, today. And, um, and so, so how does that line up with this parable, which is be prepared? And I am going to throw that to you. I've got some thoughts, but before I share my thoughts, how about I throw that out to, to you for some discussion? Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so this maiden comes running along at the end, uh, <laughs> just before the bridegroom, like seconds before he arrives, and, and just runs up, lights the lamp, and, it's, and I'm here for the party. And, well, yeah. you know what? I reckon she had a better chance of getting in than the ones who'd been waiting and ran out of oil yeah. because um, she actually had her light burning when the bride came. But anyway, go on. Well, that, that's it. She was there and ready. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't, isn't God's grace beautiful? There's, there's also a parable of the labourers in the field mm. um, and the people who turn up at the last hour and only do a little bit of work still get to have the full the full pay um god's grace is a beautiful gift that none of us deserve um and I, I, and so i'm so thankful for the criminal on the cross who jesus said later later on you'll be with, later today you'll be with me in paradise what what hope that gives us yeah this grace this question gets to the heart of one of the great christian divisions uh between what would be seen more as a, a Calvinist kind of approach or the Arminian kind of approach? What the Calvinists uh, would be more focused on God's uh, supreme authority and very clearly, you know, people are being saved, are saved because God wants them to be. And when you, if you're going to be saved, there's nothing you can do not to be saved. Uh, whereas the Arminian side of things would be more along the lines of, your faith has to be worked out in practice. And and so Calvinists would say of Arminians, they focus on works righteousness, and that will be something you hear. And uh, and there's a, there's a counter-argument uh, either way. Um, but I think for me the, the, the key is the same, the same language Jesus will use when we get to the sheep and the goats, when he says to the... To, to understanding what the question is, he says, um, I don't know you. Hmm. Uh, that it wasn't you didn't have your lamps sorted out well enough and you didn't do, your, you, you didn't do the work. That the ultimate question, uh, and, and for the thief on the cross, the question was, uh, in, in, it may have only been for a few seconds, but he knew Jesus. Hmm. And there were... And, and there was another thief on, on the cross next door who also was aware of Jesus but didn't know him in the same way and he didn't get to go to paradise. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the, the question isn't about your lamps and how hard you work. It's whether your life reflects the truth that you know Jesus. Because we, we, like we, we don't get to heaven under our own steam. We get to heaven as a result of knowing Jesus. And the, and the, the judgment line 
for Jesus in this parable is, I don't know you. Uh, and I reckon there's a sadness for him as he says mm. it. Mm. Uh, and, and I think um, there's a weight to these parables that's important because it, mm. because it, I, I, I think partly what Jesus, Zan was pointing out earlier when we were talking, these parables are not given to the general public. They're given to people who are his followers. And what he's wanting them to understand is there is a, a weight of responsibility in your life now. You are responsible for how you spend your hours today. I, I was just working actually with a, a young couple who are contemplating getting married and doing some pre-marriage counselling with them. And one of the exercises is to work out how, if you break up your week, how you, how much time you spend on different things. And so they had time for, you know, how much time do they sleep? How much time do they work? How much time do they read? Or, and, uh, and, and it's a useful exercise to break that down. But for both of them, they did that. They, and, and then I said, okay, so, so you, let, let's add up how many hours you think you're spending uh, and let's work out how many hours you actually got in a week. And for one of them, they had allocated, they consciously allocated about uh, 70 hours of the 168 that they have. And for the other, they consciously allocated 100 hours, which meant for both of them, there was uh, at least two, at least a third of their time, if not more, that was just, uh, just happening. And, and for a lot of us, it can be like that. I, I think the... What Jesus wants us to understand, I think, is there, a, there is a weight to this hour you're spending right now. There's a weight and importance to this day you're, you're spending right now and not to take it lightly. Um, I think that's part of, part of it as well. Mm. Yeah. Anything you others who want to add to that? I think with parables, we've got to be a bit careful we don't uh, have them say more than they... Mm. need to mm -hmm. um, and I think with the way in which we've been tossing them with the some of the other parables we're starting to focus in on on some aspects of, of what's being uh, uh, taught mm. uh, but I think I do like the idea of we just don't know when the bridegroom's coming so that's yeah. in the context of, of yeah. uh, both the end of our own lives uh, here on earth or you know the Lord coming, you know, yeah. with trumpets and uh, trumpets and angels, uh, mm -hmm. and we don't know which it's going to be uh, for yeah. for us as an individual. Uh, and then the parable is, uh, be ready. You know, yeah. Don't be, mm -hmm. you know, don't be swanning around under under gum trees unnecessarily. For <laughs> 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 yeah. And, uh, and because I, there's and things, I, there are things that we can do to be prepared, you know, to live yeah. out our lives yeah. in, in a way that's honouring to the calling we've got. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, you know, this the nub of it, as Matt said, is about relationship. So, um, you know, like one set of women were prepared to kind of do the superficial stuff, if you like, but how deep was the relationship to actually be there for the long haul, yeah. to actually make sure that they were part of that torch-lit procession yeah. and be part of the goodwill and the good wishes um, for, yeah. for 
to their friend or um, their, you know, the, if they were a servant for their master um, and for his bride. And so, again, it's about relationship, you know, that uh, and priority. And it comes back down to, I think I said it fairly early on in our, in our podcast, but, um, and I certainly said it yesterday, that what Jesus wants of us, he said, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbour as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, those two commands are about relationship. They're about relationship with God and they're about relationship with others that are part of your life or enter your life in some form or another. And when I looked at Paul, sorry, Saul and David, they too were about a relationship with God. In one case, one began in relationship with God with a heart, with a new heart, if you like, that God gave him, but then chose to slip back into other ways of doing things where he went off on his own, didn't need God. Whereas the other one kept a heart full of love for God, which flowed out into the way most of the time. But even when he stuck, and he does, um, there's a way back and he takes that way back because fundamentally he knows <laughs> that um, his relationship is so and, mm-hmm. and important enough for him to keep doing the hard work to make mm. it work. Mm. Mm. A couple other points that I was thinking too, thanks, Anne, is... Um, Jesus, this story says the bridegroom comes back, it's after midnight. I'm like, what on earth is the bridegroom taking that long to come back for? But here I think Jesus is re-emphasizing the previous parable. I'm coming back, but be ready for it to take a while. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this message must have been so important for the first 100 years of Christianity, for Mm -hmm. for the people who really expected Christ to come back any day. Um, Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, quite a few times, you need to wait and you need to be ready and it could take a long time, you know, like a bridegroom coming at midnight, they'll feel like forever. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, it's, um, I've, got, I've got several friends who are super organised and they would definitely have extra oil. <laughs> it's so unfair because I'll, I'll turn up to leading worship at church and I'll have forgotten my guitar at home, so what chance have I got of having extra oil? <laughs> so, but, so David, I'm thankful that we don't have to take this parable to the nth degree and wring <laughs> the life out of it. But um, but I agree with what you're saying. Is that let's be ready. Let's live a life worthy yeah. of of God. Let's um let's give Him our all. Uh, yeah. Um. So I'm looking forward to Him coming back. Uh, yeah, and to being with Him. Yeah. And I want to be ready. And being ready isn't about being organised and remembering all the mm. things you need to remember, mm. but dedicating your life to that relationship. And I think, mm. David, that's where I agree with you, is just let's really give ourselves mm. to that relationship and be ready, be yeah. ready for, and anticipate mm. the return. Yeah. 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 So as we finish up, is there anything you want people to take away with them? Um, I wanted to just come back to Proverbs chapter 3. Um, because it it really is a summary of what wisdom looks like, and and at the end of the day, this is a, this is a, <coughs> a parable about what it means to be wise in our relationship with God and with Jesus. 
Mm. And um, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them <clears throat> on the tablet of your heart. Mm. And trust, and then in uh, five, um, chapter, verse 5, it goes on to say, Trust in the Lord with all yeah. your heart and be not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So again, relationship just um, is just so much a part of those words and what wisdom is in God's words. Yeah. Guys, anything else you want to leave behind? Or, oh, sorry, leave for others? <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. I think this, this gets back to um, Jesus is trying to prepare us that, yep, things aren't going to happen according to our timetables, mm -hmm. um, but be ready and live your life ready for the, the, the truth that you will be accountable. There will be an, open, an opening and a shutting of a door and uh, you want to be on the right side of that door. Uh, which is the ultimate accountability. Um, yeah. So, so don't live for the short term. Uh, prepare, prepare your life uh, to to have the resources you need for the long haul to live for him for the long term. Yeah, yeah, great. So we'll, we'll finish up there. Proverbs three three: Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. So, thanks, Anne. It's great. Hmm. great well thanks thanks for joining us again please write your comments at the bottom um hmm. to keep the conversation going if there's anything that stands out to you or questions you have please pop them in we'll, we'll reply and uh yeah otherwise we'll see you next sunday where we talk about the parable of the talents or the bags of gold the niv says so we'll hmm. be really tackling that thing of works and how are we saved and things so yeah so we'd love to see you on sunday looking forward to it dan thanks guys <laughs> Mm, okay. <laughs>